Stephen Poos Benson podcast, and I'm your host, Stephen Poos Benson. Hey, it's great to be back with you. I've taken a couple-week hiatus. Uh, life and work has gotten in the way of publishing a podcast, but I wanted to re-engage today because I wanted to share with you a sermon by Matt Matson this past Sunday. But before I dive into that, I want to invite you to join us with a, in a conversation that we're having here at Columbine on GroupMe. Uh, GroupMe is a wonderful new app for your phone that I've just been uh, turned on to by Matt Matson that I really love. It's a way that you can sign in, you download the app, you create it, uh, create an account, and then you join the conversation at Columbine United Church on overcoming obstacles. Overcoming obstacles is the preaching theme that we've been engaging this uh, this past month of June, and we're continuing the conversation throughout the middle of the week um, on GroupMe. Many of church members, Columbine members have signed on to the app, and we want to invite as many people as possible to join us throughout the week. It's a way of kind of uh, carrying the conversation on from Sunday morning and kind of having it to dive into your life. Uh, Matt Matson again, who preached on Sunday, is leading this conversation. He does a marvelous job, and I've really enjoyed it, so I want to invite you to do it as well. So this past Sunday, Matt preached. Matt is a sought-after speaker around the United States. Um, and we are fortunate to have him as a church member here at Columbine. And I invited him to preach this past Sunday to share with us his understanding of how to overcome obstacles and what he does in his life and as he relates it to Scripture. Great insight about how to carry a soft heart and develop a set of life rules that help us overcome obstacles. So here's Matt Matson. Thanks and take care. Well, welcome to Columbine United Church this morning, everybody. Welcome to Columbine United Church. We are changing the way people see God. So glad you're here. So glad you all let me be here for a moment. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Hey, if you're a first-time visitor, I want to give you a special welcome. I'm not the normal act. It's much better than this normally. But thanks for coming. Thanks for putting up with this. Come again next week and see, uh, see the real show. You'll want to check out our visitor bags out in the lobby as well. Make sure you take one of those. Uh, let us know who you are. Just so glad you all are here this morning. We are here. We are here for all of us. I'm going to start singing that song again. Let's say this. We love social media here at Columbine United Church. Maybe you don't all the time in your life, but we collectively do. I want to ask you to engage with us on social media this morning and throughout the week. Uh, you can find uh, all of the places where you can find us on social media. I want to give special attention to Instagram. Anybody out here use Instagram? Give me a little head nod if you know what the Instagram is. If you don't, no big deal. You can ignore this part. But if you know what the Instagram is, if, you, if you've got Instagram, I want you to play along with us, uh, especially. The church has an Instagram that's thriving right now. We're putting out a lot of cool stuff. Check us out. Follow along at Columbine United. Feel free during church to pull out your phone, take a picture, post something, and, or just follow us uh, on social media, any of those social media outlets. Hey, let's take a moment to welcome everybody who's here but isn't exactly right here. All the virtual members of Columbine United Church. Do you know that we're streaming live right now on Facebook? We're streaming live. Millions of people might be watching right now. <laughs> or not, I don't know. But if they're out there, hi to all of you. My mom's watching, that's great. There's some other folks watching, I'm glad they're here. Let's give all of our virtual members a warm Columbine welcome. I always love uh, when Steve or Jane or Tom welcome our virtual members and give special attention to the men and women in uniform all across the world who really do tune in. We've got folks who watch on Facebook and on YouTube later on. So if you're not checking those out or sharing those with your friends, please do. 
Okay, one last little thing about technology. So Steve and I were talking about technology earlier in the week. I was in the office and we were talking technology, which is a very dangerous thing. This was not a good thing that probably happened. But we came out of that conversation wanting to experiment with something. And we want to invite you all to play along with us for the next couple of weeks. We want to bring uh, kind of the spirit and the conversation and the dialogue of Sunday morning and put it in your pocket so that you can carry it around with you all week and maybe engage with it. When you walked in here, the instructions that are up here on the screen were also on a little half sheet of paper you may, might, have, might have gotten. Happy to offer some tech support out in the lobby if you can't figure this out. By the way, if this confuses you or it feels like I'm talking a different language right now when I'm saying an online discussion, church, just, it's fine. It's fine, just, you don't have to do it. This is just an experiment we're doing. But if you're interested in playing along and maybe engaging in a, uh, a spiritual discussion, easy, no big deal, spiritual discussion using an app called GroupMe. Follow the instructions. Pull out your phone right now, take a little picture of that QR code, or type into your, your browser, that's the place where you find the internet, uh, type in www.tinyurl.com slash cuctalk1. Again, if you're overly confused at the moment, this is over now. It's over. We can move past this, okay, everybody? Hey, for real though, we'd love to play along. We're gonna do two weeks of discussion on overcoming obstacles, which is what this sermon series is about. So play along with us, let's try it. It might be a complete failure, but let's try, let's, let's find out. So we re very much invite you. It'll start tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. You don't have to be up at eight. That's just when we'll actually start the discussion. Okay, everybody? Whew. Let's get started. Let's begin with our scripture reading uh, this morning. It comes from the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. Now, the first part of the book of Proverbs especially is said to have been written by King Solomon. Like 3,000 years ago, one of the greatest kings of Israel, known as the, the king, the, the wise king, he wrote down a bunch of advice, and it made it into the Bible. It made the cut. Uh, and there's some good stuff in there. Uh, so much of it is just pure wisdom, just good, solid wisdom. And that's where today's scripture reading comes from. It comes from King Solomon. I hope you find God's wisdom somewhere buried in these words. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The passage continues, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Here ends our reading this morning. May God bless these words as we seek together to apply some meaning to our lives. So I titled this sermon, uh, Guard Your Heart. We'll talk about that and what that means. Now, when Steve originally asked me to give a sermon, uh, uh, well, first of all, you just say yes, right? When somebody asks that, I do. Anyway, I, he said, would you do this? And I was like, yes, absolutely, whenever you need me to. And he gave me a date, and I said, yes, you bet. I didn't even check my calendar. We didn't double check it. Well, it turns out the original date that, that we had, there was a little calendar mix-up, just a little mistake. And the original date that I was originally scheduled to offer this sermon was last week. Cowboy Sunday. 
Now, I know I'm not qualified to speak at Columbine United Church's highest holy day. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's, I shouldn't be allowed, right? But, but Cowboy Sunday, I was originally planning, and I saw, I realized it was Cowboy Sunday, so I started preparing, right? I went out and bought some chaps, right? I, uh, I, oh, you would have liked to see that. Uh, uh, I started growing this bad beard. I, uh, I started talking real twangy for about a week. And then I thought I'd double check, and I sent Steve an email, and he was like, no, no, I don't want you preaching on Cowboy Sunday. That's my Sunday. I'm the head cowboy on this ranch, he said to me. And I said, okay. I said, all right. So anyway, after last week, after I listened to Steve give a beautiful sermon about, you remember those stories, those of you who are here, you might remember the stories about Steve's three horses, right? Captain, Kenosha, and Magic, right? Beautiful, just wonderful storytelling in that sermon. I loved it. I was very much inspired by it. And as I left that sermon, I had this realization that I was very glad that I was not uh, assigned to Cowboy Sunday. See, because I don't ride horses. In fact, to be quite honest with you all, uh, I have a significant and irrational fear of horses. I think they are massive beasts who could destroy you at any time. I don't understand why people jump on them and pet their face. What do you do? They could buck you and kick you and bite you. Uh, anyway, like I really get panicky around horses. I, I am afraid of, I've got a real fear of horses, I really do, and I don't ride horses. I ride something far safer than horses regularly. See, I ride airplanes. <laughs> I ride airplanes. I feel safe on airplanes. Oh, I feel so safe on airplanes. airplanes. Airplanes make me feel at home, they make me feel comfortable and safe. Did you know that you are 86 times less likely to meet your maker on an airplane than you are in an automobile. And I assume horses are even far da more dangerous. I don't know if that... But uh, I feel safe on airplanes. Which is why I wanted to start uh, uh, the sermon this morning with a story about an airplane. A story about how 38 days ago today, 38 days ago, I was on an airplane. And that airplane was struck down from the sky by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> People start laughing right away. Uh, struck down by a bolt of lightning from the sky and stranded me in the middle of nowhere, Wichita, Kansas, alone with 150 other strangers in an airport. And I want to tell you this story. Now, if some of you are being triggered right now because you have a real fear of flying, just know that obviously the story ends well. I'm here. I'm safe, you're safe, everything's fine. But this story really happened. So I'll just tell you the story. So um, this was, uh, I, I had a speaking engagement. Uh, I was going to speak in Memphis, Tennessee, and I had to fly out of Denver to get to Memphis. I was really excited about this speaking engagement. It was at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Anybody in here ever heard of that? It's one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, there's somehow more joy at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital than there is at Disney World. I promise you that. I've been, been there a bunch of times. It is one of the most joy-filled, soft-hearted places on earth. And this is a place where some of the greatest minds in the world come together to cure childhood cancer for free, you guys. Like, you know no family who goes to get treated at St. Jude ever pays a single dime. Just one of the most magical places on earth. I love going there. So I was super excited about this speaking engagement. And, and, and this trip, I wasn't speaking to doctors or patients or volunteers or anything. I was speaking to their, their corporate sponsors were coming together, so I was extra excited. I was talking to C-level people at Chili's and Google and... A Best Buy, and just like, I was talking to some big wigs, and I was pumped about this trip. So anyway, I go to Denver Airport, I get on an airplane, and uh, it wasn't, uh, I mean, this was, 
it was a United flight, I guess. What I, it wasn't special. It was just, it was United, right? It wasn't Southwest where they wear shorts and sing songs and tell jokes and stuff. This was a United flight. It was a business trip, right? And so I didn't expect much. had regular expectations. It's a predictable flight. But I get on, and the pilot, the pilot is like welcoming everybody onto the plane, like super friendly and joyful and reassuring, just a, like a wonderful guy, right? So I get on the plane, and, uh, and it's regular, but, and then we taxi out, and we're about to take off, and the pilot comes on the intercom, right? He says, uh, this is your captain speaking. And he's a real funny guy, right? He's, and he's like, hey, heads up. Anytime you fly out of Denver, there's always a little turbulence. Those of you who fly out of Denver know that there is 100% of the time a little, a little turbulence about 10 minutes out. And he said, hey, heads up, um, up uh, out there, out east, there's a big storm front. And so we might expect a little more turbulence than the normal. He makes a little joke. He's like, hey, if it gets rough, you know, cuddle in with your neighbor, you know, make a new friend. He makes a little joke. It's fun, right? And you're like, oh, okay, this pilot's a, he's, he's a good guy. So we, we take off. We start flying. And there's a little turbulence, no big deal. We get out there, maybe about a half hour into the flight. I'm, I'm settled in, right? I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, of course, right? <laughs> I was watching Netflix, that's what I was doing. I was, I was watching Netflix. <laughs> and uh, I'm just settled in, I got my earphones on, everybody else has just settled into the flight. And then BAM! There's this giant bolt of white light and like thunder that happens all at once. Enough to like startle you, right? Like you look up and everybody kind of looks around. Everybody looks at each other. You make the little like, you know, talking with your earphones in. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then we kind of go back to business, like whatever. Okay, so I settle back into the movie. And about two minutes later, the pilot comes out, a really friendly, reassuring pilot. Remember him? He comes out and he's like, ah, this is your captain speaking? Yep. Yep. We did just get struck by lightning. Our airplane did, in fact, just get struck by lightning. Everybody's like, whoa, like that. And he's like, but don't worry about it. This happens all the time. There's nothing to worry about. You're completely safe, he says. And we're like, okay, all right, whatever. So we settle back in, right, to the Bible or whatever, and we're, we're just flying along. And the pilot comes on again. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Sorry to interrupt you again so quickly, but, uh, well, I got some bad news. Um, Turns out the bolt of lightning struck the airplane right in the nose cone, like right at the front of the airplane, and completely fried our weather radar system. And so uh, we're in the middle of a storm. Uh, United has told us we have to immediately divert and make an emergency landing in Wichita, Kansas. And at this point, everybody starts to grumble a little bit on the plane, right? Everybody looks up and, oh, okay, all right. So we go down, we land in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I, let me fast forward the story a little bit. So we're in Wichita. It's like the middle of the night now. It's probably midnight when we land at Wichita. Um, again, we're about 1,000 miles from where we started or where we're trying to end up, right? We're, we're not anywhere close to it. It's about 150 of us. The airport is kind of quiet because most of the other flights are done. It's, it's real quiet. And the pilot comes on. He's like, hey, he gives a little announcement in the airport. Hey, heads up. Uh, they're bringing another plane in uh, so that we can get to Memphis. It'll be here in just a little bit. Uh, and then he comes back on later, hey, heads up, that plane apparently made a wrong turn. I don't know how you make a wrong turn in the sky. And it's gonna, it'll be here a little bit longer, so we're delayed a little longer. Then about 1.30 in the morning, we all finally get on this second airplane, and we taxi out to the runway again, and no kidding, pilot comes on. Uh, this is your captain speaking. 
this is Andy. Like at this point, we all know Andy, right? Like we're all good friends with Andy. Uh, this is Andy. Uh, I am so, so sorry. Uh, I've got some bad news. Apparently our co-pilot had timed out in an airline speak. That means he was out of hours and not allowed to fly anymore. I'm so sorry, everyone. We've got to turn back into the Wichita airport. We're stuck here until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, he says. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, that was awesome, right? So, so we're stuck in Wichita in the middle of the night. Uh, this, is, uh, this is pretty bad. So this, is, this is an obstacle. Would you agree? This is an obstacle. How do you respond? Let me tell you about two other characters in this story real quick. Uh, let's call one of them British Billy the Bully. And we'll call the other fella Fred the Friendly Flyer. Fred the fr Friendly Flyer. So these are real people. These are not their real names, and these are not their real pictures. Uh, the, these are, but these are real characters in the story. See, as soon as all the trouble started, there was one fella, a business fella, who happened to have a British accent. No offense to the folks from across the pond, but uh, or watching around the world with a British accent. The, uh, um, uh, but but he was this business fella, and and this guy was angry. I mean, he was angry. He was angry at everybody. He was angry at everything. This, he, this was unjust that the plane would get struck. This, he was angry at stupid pilot and stupid, everybody, like the whole thing. He was just angry at everybody, right? And he's shouting about it. He gathers together other people who are angry and they're, they're like waving their fists at the thunderclouds. They're angry, right? He let everybody know about it. He was angry for hours. Man, everybody had to listen to this guy be angry for hours. All right, so there's this other guy, so that's Billy. There's this other guy, I'll call him Fred. When we're stranded in Wichita, somewhere around one o'clock in the morning or so, I'm sitting there and I overhear a conversation, the guy behind me uh, talking to some of his colleagues, and he says that, uh, he, he mentions that he works for St. Jude. And so I turn around and introduce myself to him. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going, I'm trying to go there and speak in the morning, like, uh, good to meet you. I love St. Jude. We just strike up a, you know, stranded in the airport conversation. At some point, I mean, Fred was like this joyful, like wonderful, glowing heart, right? And at some point, I'm not kidding you, at some point, while we're stuck a thousand miles from where we started or where we wanted to be, in the middle of the night, there's no food, there's nothing to be happy about. At some point, Fred says this, you know what? This crew has been fantastic. I honestly think this is the best service I've ever had from an airline. Two people, Billy and Fred, experiencing the exact same obstacle in their life. The same lightning struck both of them. And the way they responded was so dramatically different. Who are you in those moments in your life? Let's go back to the scripture for a second. So I think the scripture reading, I like the scripture reading because it's kind of in three easy to understand parts, or at least that's how I read it. You don't have to read it that way. That's how I read it, though. Let me explain. I think the first part is this. King Solomon writes, he says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words and not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. I think in general, King Solomon's basically, you know, trying to get people's attention. He's like, hey, trust me. What I'm about to say is going to be really smart, all right? So, so the first part of this scripture is all just set up. But then, like right after that, I mean, he's like, hey, pay attention because something good's coming. And right after that, he hits the home run. 
He writes, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Oh, what a line. What a line. This line is the, uh, is the line that, that absolutely inspired me to use this scripture for today. And I actually read this line a couple months ago, and it really has just stuck with me. It's just sort of lived with me in a way. And I realized that the, the phrase, guard your heart, uh, could maybe be taken in a different way. Maybe some of you originally read guard your heart and think like close off, shut down, protect, play defense. I get that. In fact, so because I got that, I started Googling like meaning of guard your heart in Proverbs. And like the only stuff that came up were strangely like Christian dating websites. I'm not really sure why, but <laughs> it was not only, it was, it was all these websites that are like guard your heart because there's evil men out there. Like why I went into that voice. That was uh, anyway. I don't think that's what this is about. See, because the back end, that bottom line, right, right there, everything you do flows from it. It calls you to protect your heart in such a way that it remains open, even when the lightning strikes, even when the darkness comes, even when it's hard. Maybe especially then. All things flow from it. It has to be open. Keep your heart soft. For me, that's, a, that's my easy translation of this. That's the way I understand it, how I simplify it. Keep your heart soft. Oh, this is the point where I'm supposed to refer to visual aids. Okay, uh, so I brought visual aids. Um, so soft heart. Keep your, soft, keep your heart soft. So some of you know I've got two little daughters, two daughters. So these are the kind of things I have around my house, right? So, but when I saw this, I was like, oh, keep a soft heart. Yes. I want people to see this. I want people to see this visual aid and stick it somewhere in the back of their mind so that when lightning strikes in their life, when an obstacle happens, when the darkness comes, when it gets really hard, somehow or another, this leg pops over their head and they start to imagine this soft, soft heart. Um, but then I realized I had to have the other side of it too, right? The, Steve, will you hold this for me? Will you just stand right here in the light so everybody can see you holding that? That's perfect. Um, And then I was walking. I'll hold this. Yeah. So I was walking along the side of my house where there's just stuff. Do you guys have that side of your house? Like there's just a, there's just a bunch of stuff. Uh, anyway, we, we've got that side of our house, and uh, this was one of the stuff. And I looked at it. I was like, wow, a heart-shaped patio stone. I should definitely bring that to church. The. Uh, Anyway, so I did, and, and I want you to see these two visuals, right? In fact, I want you to take this picture and post it on social media so that you see Steve holding this. There it is. Good. Good. There it is. Very good. Smile and good. Uh, so I'm sorry for this, but, like, for me, this visual uh, is probably the thing a handful of you will leave with, and this will be it. But what an important visual. Which choice do you make? Oh, God, I put this down. Thanks, Steve. Everybody clap for Steve. Thanks, Steve. I think, uh, I think Billy had a soft, cushy heart. Or, no, I think Fred had a soft, cushy heart. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> forgot my characters. I think Fred did. I think he was, he was, you wanted to cuddle with Fred. Like, Fred was the best. Fred was like a teddy bear. And Billy, experiencing the same thing, chose to harden, chose to close off. I get that, by the way. I actually don't blame Billy. Billy's not bad. I don't mean to make Billy the enemy in the story. Billy is all of us. Billy is me. 
Most of the time, when lightning strikes, I harden, I close off. Because I gotta protect, right? We've all gotta protect, I, I don't think that's wrong. I just don't think it's the best of me. And I think that's the choice I get to make. Um, this doesn't fit here, but I, I want to say, uh, you brought it up as well earlier, we lost Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade this week, who are celebrities, and these things happen, and celebrities live out there in that world out there, and we live here in this real world here, but uh, there's something about uh, the way they left us, and there's something about the models that they were. For me, Anthony Bourdain was one of the rare celebrities that I just admired. I, I, I was enamored with him and his style, and his richness in the way that he approached the world and he talked about it and he traveled and he was just somebody I, I, I really enjoyed and connected with. And I think maybe the reason I bring it up is because I don't know what their experience was, but I gotta believe there was some darkness, uh, maybe a lot, maybe overwhelming darkness that had surrounded them. And I can't speak for them, but I can speak for me and I can say that I've been in the darkness before. I've been deep in the hole. And sometimes when you're in the dark hole, you want to dig deeper because it seems safer down there. But there are people all around you who you can see you and who love you and who have soft hearts. So if you feel your heart hardening, if you feel the rock forming inside, that's okay. It's absolutely okay. Try to tap into the softness of the love and the hearts around you. All right, so there's the third part of the scripture reading, right? This third part kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like guard your heart above all else. Like it, all, everything flows from it. And then Solomon offers these rules. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. This passage reminds me of those, uh, do you guys remember those monkeys? The speak no evil, hear no evil, see no or whatever it is. Yep. I, uh, I like this. I like this. Um, but I like it in concept. Uh, I, I don't know, the words didn't inspire me. The concept inspired me of this part of the passage, I guess I could say. I like the idea of focusing on what's in your control. Maybe having a list of rules that you can fall back on and that you can use every day to make sure your heart stays soft. I think about all the rules. There's a lot of lists of rules out there in the world. You might have noticed that. Uh, there's the Ten Commandments, of course, right? There's a big list of important rules you've seen before. That's good. But if you dig a little deeper in the Bible, as I know some of you have, you're going to find millions of lists of rules, right? For some of us who had a hard time coming to the Bible as something that was valuable in our life, I know I'm not alone here, but for some of us, one of the things that kept us away from the Bible was all these rules that didn't seem to make any sense. And I'll just offer my point of view. I read this book a while ago. I love this book. It's, a, it's kind of a silly book, but it is somehow powerful and really helpful. Uh, the author's name is A.J. Jacobs, and the book is called The Year of Living Biblically. This guy is a journalist. He's like one of these extreme journalists. Uh, he spent a year, no kidding, following every rule in the Bible. And yes, it was the most absurd thing you could ever possibly imagine. 
That's a picture of him up on the screen blowing a ram's horn dress like he hadn't trimmed the corners of his beard. Otherwise, you know, all, like a, he, hadn't, he hadn't spoken with his wife in several weeks because the Bible wouldn't allow him for a number of reasons. Like, it, was, it is a hilarious book. Like, it is funny. But it also reminds me, at least the way Matt Matson interprets it, uh, that these rules, all these lists of very specific rules about shellfish, like I love lobster, I don't know, so like about shellfish, like about all these weird rules, like made sense to certain people at a certain time. And as we grow together, we come up with new lists. In fact, there are thousands of these numbered lists of ways to live your life, right? Uh, there's the Bill of Rights, that's a good one, except that all of us are arguing about a handful of those every single day on the internet, if you haven't noticed, and on the TV news, and like we're all angry about a handful of them but they're our most treasured possession. But also, we all read them entirely differently. Like, like, these rules evolve. These rules change for good reason, because all of us need our own rules. And I started thinking, well, maybe everybody should just have their own list of rules. I've been inspired by a number of lists of rules that I've read over the years. Uh, a couple books that have inspired me with lists of rules in, in them are uh, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I'm guessing there are some people in here who have read that. I read that when I was 23 years old, and it might have been the first real spiritual book that I opened and just fell in love with and, and tried to adopt as a practice in my life. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, maybe one of the most read books after the Bible ever in history, uh, just such a powerful life guide. Uh, there's another book that uh, uh, you know, I checked out. It's, it's called Social Excellence, We Dare You by a guy named Matt Matson, and then a couple other people also wrote it. But even that book... <laughs> It's available right now on Amazon.com. Uh, even that, but even, even when I wrote, down, wrote a book, I put a numbered list in it. Like, these are the four things you've got to do to live your life in this certain way. Guess what I mean is there's all these lists. How do you know which one? Well, you don't. You make your own. I, I, I'm here to say I think you make your own. Do you have a list of rules for your life? I'll admit out loud today that I do. Um, I haven't shared this, uh, I think, Except for the 8 o'clock service, I think Megan is like, my wife Megan is like the only person who's ever seen that I have this. This isn't something I talk about all the time. This is just something private. This is something I wrote down for myself. About five years ago, I typed this into a phone. Uh, it was while I was riding an airplane, actually. That airplane didn't get struck by lightning. But uh, uh, I wrote these down because um, I'd, I was just challenging myself, like, what's the life I want to live? I need to make that decision. Like, I, I need to figure it out because nobody else is going to figure it out for me. Here are the rules I live by, and I, I think I do. I, I try to. I fail all the time, but I try to live by them. Uh, number one, care for my family above all. That's the number one rule for a reason. I've got to care for my family, my, my, my wife and my two beautiful little girls and my extended family. They care for me. They show up here. Uh, the, um, uh, but also everybody I consider family, I guess, rule number one uh, falls into rule number one for me. Number two, love by serving. I'm a deeds, not creeds kind of guy. Like, get out there and do it. Show people. Do it. Prove it. Uh, solve big problems. That's, that's, for me, that's a big part of my life. Like I, am, uh, I have a larger purpose, uh, and I won't let the small things distract me. Seek higher wisdom. That's why I come to church. That's why I come here. That's why I study. That's why I read uh, lots of cool books. That's why I do crack open the Bible, not often on airplanes, but at home often. Like I want to see what it says. I want to see if it has anything to teach me, and a lot of times it does. I want to blow the dust off my soul. I love that phrase. I used that phrase last time I got to speak here, and that's really why I come. Uh, focus on what matters. Don't whine. Run. I like that one a lot. Uh, it's not just about running, but I am a runner. 
And that's a good way to get me out of bed in the morning, but that's not why, what it's about for me. It's about everything. Don't whine. Run. Eat with purpose. Uh, that is about what I feed myself, like real food, but it's also about um, what I feed myself mentally and spiritually as well. If I want to live a healthy mental and spiritual life, I've probably got to feed myself good mental and spiritual food. What I read, what I watch or don't watch, what I, uh, what I, what I, what I, what I listen to or don't listen to, what I, how much time I spend surfing the internet or not, those are how I feed myself. We matter most through people. It's a deep core belief that I have. Choose uplifting language. That one could have come from the scripture passage today. Forgive. That was real hard. That was real hard. Do it if you say it and see the world. Number 12 is see the world. Uh, for me, that's, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm put here. Anyway, I share that with you. You've got your own rules. Or maybe you've got your own rules. If you don't, write them down. Maybe this is something we'll talk about uh, in that, uh, this is me plugging the technology again. Maybe that's something we'll talk about in our online discussion that you have a little half piece of paper that you can check out later on. Anyway, we'll start that tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. These are my rules for life. These are what are in my control. These are what keep me prepared for when the darkness comes and when the lightning strikes. Trust me, what I'm about to say is smart. When lightning strikes in your life, keep your heart soft and focus on what's in your control. So I want to finish by reading something. So I wrote this blog this week, and uh, uh, I wrote it for my job. I wrote it for my work. Um, and it was inspired by a podcast that Steve did not too long ago with one of the members of the church here. Um, so I want to read it to you. I hope you find some meaning in it. Many people know the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. This prayer has been said millions of times by millions of people. Many know it as a common saying used by folks in recovery from addiction. Others just find it to be a helpful daily meditation. You know what you cannot change? Other people. You know what you can change? You. As you seek deep, deep, deep human connection with others, as you pursue deep-spirited friendships, meaningful relationships, and powerful interpersonal encounters, know that the only thing within your control is you. If someone rebuffs your kind-hearted outreach, you can't control whatever hurt or loss or fear that person likely has that fueled their response. You can only control whether you let their rejection hurt you and keep you from being kind-hearted with others. If someone fails to recognize your genuine effort to apologize, care, or love, you can't control the emotions they're feeling or the unresolved anger they're harboring or the wall they've built around their heart. You can only control whether your heart hardens or softens. That's what's in your control. You can fight back or love back. That's your choice. If someone ridicules and rejects your attempt to engage in substantial dialogue about an issue that matters to you, you can't control their entrenchments. You can't control their self-preservation. You can't control their fear of change or growth. You can only control your willingness to listen, learn, and grow. Your next move can be to exclude or include. That's your choice. So may you be granted the serenity to accept those things you cannot change. May you have the courage to change the things you can. And may you be wise in your discernment of the difference. Amen. Thank you.